In today's episode of the Back in Shape podcast, we're going to be addressing the question as to whether or not you should be flexing your lower back if you have lower back pain or sciatica. This is a common misconception, if not one of the biggest that we face as help, as, as individuals helping people with their lower back pain. Everything from private practitioners kind of recommending these sorts of exercises, be the osteopaths, chiropractors, uh, doctors, etc., to those that are in within the NHS itself, the guidelines. It sends you straight away if you've got lower back pain to those knee hug exercises, those cat cow exercises. Well, in today's video, we're going to explain to you, hopefully, give you the background as to maybe you'll understand a bit about why those things might be recommended, but more importantly, why they are not ideal and why so many equally qualified practitioners will recommend the teachings that we talk about in the Back and Shape program to their patients and or do the program themselves to help them because it makes sense once you understand these things. But quite often, as with this so much of medical advice, if not advice in all industries, quite often we don't necessarily have the time with the relevant professional to get the why. It's just because you Go home and do this exercise. It's going to feel good. And it does. I make no bones about it. Pulling your knees towards your chest feels nice, but it probably feel, felt nice before and it will continue to feel nice in the future. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is helping your lower back pain recover. And hopefully by the end of this video, you guys are going to appreciate exactly why that is. Again, this is a bit of a contrarian topic. We know that. We know a lot of our advice is a little bit different to the standard things that you will see, the maybe outdated things that you will see. So if you've got any questions, use that comment section below, whatever platform you're watching on. We appreciate all of those comments and questions and read and reply to all of them. So with that out of the way, let's just start out by stating the obvious, that your body is a dynamic creature. Much like in the case of astronauts when they go to space, they're in an environment which is different their bones, tendons, ligaments, etc., all adapt. They go, do you know what? We don't need this integrity in this environment. We're not using it. Why waste energy maintaining those structures when we could put, put that, that energy to use in other areas? We can conserve the energy or deploy it elsewhere in the body. So we start to break down those muscles. That is why they need to have such extensive rehabilitation processes when they come back to earth. They need to rebuild those things. Think about it. It would be absolute chaos if you go into the swimming pool, the local swimming pool, and your body goes, hey, do you know what? We've done this thing once. Um, we need to change everything around, break down all those bones, reconstitute things to make them a little bit weaker because we're just not using it in this one hour that we've been in the swimming pool. That would be absolute chaos, and the body doesn't work like that. And that is a note for those of you that are doing rehabilitation. Just because you did your exercises one time or two times or even three times doesn't mean your body is going to change. It requires that consistent input. And if there's one thing you could take away from this episode, I would say that would be a very important one, aside from the flexion topics that we'll be talking about. Your body will adapt, and that is very important for you to know, for the better, and unfortunately, as we see with flattening the lower back, for the worse as well. Now, let's start off with understanding what normal is, because this is really vital. People often get some imaging done, and they say, oh, I've got a lower back lordosis, and for some reason, it's not effectively communicated to the individual that having a lordosis in your lower back is like having two arms. It is to be expected. It is completely normal. Now, we can measure the lordosis, or the degree to which it is extended, so a lordosis should be a backward bending curve in the lumbar spine and it could be an increased lordosis or it can be a reduced lordosis. And a reduced lordosis would be a flexed lumbar spine or a flattened lumbar curve. And an extended lordosis or an increased lordosis, sorry, would be an increased lumbar curve. And that is very important to note because many activities will skew one way or the other. And I think you can probably already imagine a few that skew towards the flattening. 
So many of us spend so many hours, like those astronauts up in space, although not quite as consistent, but we're not too far off with our lower backs rounded. We spend all day, whether it's at the dinner table, in the evening or in the morning around the breakfast table, whether it's in our cars, on our way to work, whether it's at the desk, at the chair, like I am right now recording this podcast with you guys. We spend hours in the evening before we go to bed. So much of our daily routine is set, sat in a sitting position with our back flattened. In spite of our best attempts, our lower back in the seated position will flatten slightly. Some of us It'll flatten a lot because of the positions that we adopt. But that takes its toll when it adds up over months and years and years. And that has an impact on our posture, our standing posture, the way in which we stand and the way in which our spine load bears. We have to acknowledge that there are different mechanical strains on different structures when we are standing with a flattened lordosis. The flattened lordosis means that more load goes through the discs, particularly the front part of the discs, than under normal circumstances where it is a little bit more equal. And providing we have no injury, we're going to get away with that. Even though the mechanical forces at play are increased in different parameters or different ways. And this brings me to one of the first comments that often physical therapists, physios, osteos, chiros of certain persuasions will assert. And that is, well, there's no perfect posture and there's no good posture and there's no bad posture. We just have posture and the posture of the individual. And that is what is important because the individual will, through the course of their life, maybe that's 10 years, maybe that's 20 years, maybe that's 50, 60 years, adopt and adapt to that posture. So if that posture puts more pressure through certain structures, those will adapt, thicken, enhance, strengthen, etc. And that is true. However, we must note and agree that certain postures exert more strain through certain tissues than others. So for example, if I stand, because I've been sitting for so long, so consistently, and my spine has flattened out, if I stand in a slightly forward bent posture, my head and my ribcage are forward of my lumbar spine. They therefore magnify the load through those discs on a daily basis. And I've got adaptations to help me deal with that. The muscular system is a little bit stiffer, a little bit stronger perhaps, in a static posture anyway, to hold me there. I move in certain ways. For example, when I sit down in the chair, I don't really bend my knees and hips properly. I kind of bend them a little bit and then fall into the chair. We all know people that do this. And when I get out of the chair, I kind of catapult myself out rather than do a good, strong, deep squat with my back in a, in a neutral position rather than the rounded. So I've adopted that posture through years and years of adaptation and the movement patterns that go alongside that posture, all of which have their own pros and cons, but quite often they are going to be tied to increased mechanical load on those certain structures. And then an injury happens. And that is where the problem lies because that posture was acceptable, but now we have an injury. And with an injury, we want to decrease mechanical load on those tissues in the early days of that injury. But if we are still stuck in that rounded lower back, posture that those habits and movement habits that I mentioned a moment ago which are often by this point well deep 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 into the subconscious and we're not even aware of them if I'm operating on a daily basis putting increased load through these structures as my posture and my flattened lower back dictates I will be rather than stood nice and tall head over shoulders over hips with everything aligned correctly and in a most efficient manner, then I'm going to find that I have more frequent 
unexplained relapses. I find it harder to make movements in the right direction. I find it harder to make progress. And I find myself gravitating all the more to exercises that reinforce that flexion because quite frankly, they feel nice. Hugging the knees feels nice. But if we explore for a moment with the spine, what has actually happened when we all too often injure those lower segments of the lumbar spine, L4-5 and L5-S1, particularly if we already have a flattened lordosis. What happens is we've driven pressure through the front of these discs that has caused tearing and damage to the ligaments here, straining. Maybe they're not ripped in terms of completely evulsed and pulled off the bone, for example, but they are damaged, they're torn, they're weakened now at this particular level here, the L4-5, and the disc is bulging backwards. So if we are doing exercises, as this is trying to knit up to provide a bit more stability, those of you that are watching will see what I'm doing with the spine here, you are repeatedly flexing and rounding that lower back. Granted, you are increasing the size of this hole where the nerve comes out and you're making a little bit more space so that inflammation isn't going to build up as much or is going to be uh, building up in a larger hole so it's going to be less problematic for you at the time you do that exercise. But you are furthering the flexion. You're furthering the disproportionate load bearing, the inefficient load bearing that is taking place in your lower back. And what you're also doing is not allowing these ligaments to tighten back up. They should be nice and strong, nice and tight. And you're not allowing that natural process to take place because we're all too often rounding that lower back. Not only are our rounding exercises, cat cow, child's pose, knee hugs, but also every single day we're sat down, we're not aware of the way in which we use our body over the years because we haven't taken stock. So do that right now if you're someone that is struggling with lower back pain and you've been doing these exercises maybe. Actually take stock, how long has this been developing? Have we been developing this sort of posture over years, maybe decades even? And understand that that's fine if you have, but it does mean that you're going to take a little bit longer to start to unravel some of these habits. You're going to have to look a bit harder at yourself to figure out where we've been moving in ways that aren't as efficient. All too often, you get very despondent because nothing's working for me. I keep doing these knee hugs and it's not working. And I've seen 16 different people and it's not working. But actually, we need to start getting you out of the way of your problem by the way in which you've been moving and reaffirming things like, it's okay, you can have a bad posture, you can have rounded lower back, you can keep flattening your lower back, isn't helping you. You need to be more focused on an attempt to move towards normal rather than moving towards flexion and forward bending. That is so important. You can, we have to be honest with the amount of time these things have taken to build up if we're to ever have any hope of actually improving them. And that brings me to sort of the last two parts of this video. First and foremost, the amount of time people will come or, or say something along the lines of, hey, well, you know, I know you guys, you've, you've told me to stop doing flexion. I'm doing all the neutral stuff. I'm doing the core engagement. I'm providing stability to my spine. I'm making progress. But will I ever be able to flex again? Is this ever going to happen? And there's two comments on this. The first is, well, do we know that you're not already flexed? If your spine is already in a lost lordosis position, it's already flexed. For some, and we've seen this on x-rays, they actually, when they try, even when they try and bend backwards, their backward bending doesn't even take them to neutral. So they have no extension in their spine whatsoever. They are stuck in a flex position. So more flexion is not the answer in this case. I would then secondarily follow that up with, well, how much time do you spend flexing already? How much time do you spend rounding your lower back when you're sitting in the car on the, on the way to work, in the office, etc.? And if that is spending a lot of time every day doing that, 
I think you probably don't need to do too much more in the way of flexion. Quite often you've got more than enough flexion and the tightness and the stiffness that you might be experiencing is actually these structures starting to restore a bit of stability to them and starting to bring you back to a neutral position. And you're just not used to that feeling right now because you're used to feeling a little bit of stiffness, going doing the knee hugs and then come back and then you feel a little bit of stiffness and you do knee hugs again and all of a sudden you're just doing knee hugs all day and you're getting nowhere with the results. So that is very important. And the final thing is that quite often when you have this propensity to do flexion because you've done it in the past and you've been prescribed these exercises with little tweaks like for example you might be doing a bridge and you find that the bridge causes you pain so you get taught to tuck the bum under flatten the back to the ground in maybe your pilates or yoga class and then lift the bum because when you don't do that your spine wobbles all over the place and it hurts well why is that that's because the damage that's taken place to these ligaments here means that the segment is fundamentally a little bit less stable so all these ligaments are kind of loose like a rope and by you tucking your pelvis, instead of the rope being like, you pull it taut again. And now all of a sudden, the rope is taut, so it's not gonna allow that segment to bend. Hopefully you guys can see that on the, with the, with the um, microphone cable there. So you do that pelvic tuck to pull everything taut so that that segment can't move. But instead, what we should be doing is starting to provide stability with those core muscles, the core set of muscles that run around the spine, and start to hold your spine in neutral rather than trying these little short-term tricks that allow you to do an exercise but are not applicable to real life. Because by doing things like the pelvic tuck, when you are learning to re-engage your core and spine, you're learning something that is further exacerbating the patterns that we've discussed at the start of today's podcast. You're tucking your bum under more loading the discs more and chances are it's probably the, the, the discs and this, these segments have something to do with your lower back pain. So loading them more whilst they're injured and learning to do that for the long term is not a particularly helpful way to be. And that is fundamentally at the cause of why these relapse keep occurring because you don't have a strategy for providing stability in the neutral and protecting your spine as you're walking around on a daily basis. You're constantly having to do these silly little pelvic tucks while you're standing, which pre-stress your discs and create more trouble. So hopefully by now you've had a better idea of the role of flexion in your progression and onset of lower back pain and that actually we probably don't need any more flexion. If you do have any questions about this, as we mentioned with all of these, use the comment section below. If you're someone that's actually struggling and you want to do things differently, then check out the program on our website, backinshapeprogram.com, because that talks you through all the education and the stuff that we haven't covered in this particular video. As well as that, we have the full article that goes alongside this, which goes into other bits that, again, I haven't covered in this particular video because there's just too much to cover about this. But hopefully, it'll start to give you a more robust idea of why we say you don't need more flexion. So you don't just have to take our word for it, but you have a bit of logic and reasoning behind that. And then you can ask questions. We're always open to you guys asking us questions so we can explain specific nuance further. And that's how you become more informed as a patient. And always, those patients that better understand their body do better for the long term. So hopefully this has been a really helpful uh, podcast for you guys. Again, any questions, use the comment section below. You know someone else that's struggling with flattening the lower back, consider sharing this with them. Hopefully it makes for an interesting, provoking thought process that'll help them move in the right direction rather than going around in circles as so many do when they rely on flexion-based activities. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks for watching.